You're listening to The Wedding Whisperer with Sarah Burton of Simply Love Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. And we are back today for the start of season two. And I asked Diane from Type A Catering to be the first guest on season two, as she was the first guest on season one. And there's a reason that I always like starting with Diane um, anytime we do events for couples. And that is because she is a wealth of knowledge and she really breaks things down so that they seem a little bit more simple and easy to understand, or at least I can understand them really well whenever she breaks them down. So we are going to start today talking a little bit about catering and talking about a recap of 2023 weddings and see where we are at going into 2024. Diane, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me again, Sarah. I just feel like I'm so much more prepared to do this now having done this once before. Even though it was a year ago, it's totally okay. It's fine. It's fine. No, I I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and more importantly to your listeners about weddings because I'm passionate about weddings and I feel like in the bride and groom space, there is not as much education as is needed that they really go into this process not knowing very much because let's be honest, there's not a class you take that says, hey, this is how you're a bride or a groom. You get on Instagram, you can look at the visual piece, but there's lots of parts and pieces to the wedding planning process that you don't see on Instagram The pictures, I know they see, but I think they really need to see, peel back those layers and know what are all the parts and pieces that are behind this gorgeous picture. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit about your guest counts in 2023 for the weddings that you did. One of the ways that type A catering is a little different from some of the other caterers in the Lexington area is... Diane will typically only do one wedding on a Saturday, sometimes even a weekend if it is a larger wedding. So she works very much hands-on with the couple instead of having a sales manager work with them. It is all her doing all of the back-end work, all of the rentals, um, and just making sure things happen. So Diane has a very good sense of what is happening and knows will probably know the answer to all of the questions I'm going to ask her. So let's talk 2023 just real quick and recap it. For your guest counts in 2023, do you have, do you know, like an average of what you saw at your your weddings? I think we probably averaged right about 100. We had quite a few weddings that were smaller than in anticipated when they booked. And part of that is we do a lot of destination weddings. I would have never thought, even a decade ago, how many destination weddings we would do in Kentucky. Between the appeal of the horses and bourbon, and also there are lots of people that have connections to this state who may have moved on somewhere else. And quite frankly, if you live in Atlanta or Chicago or New York, your money goes a lot farther in central Kentucky than it does in the big city. And so... Because of that, we also have the travel piece. So I think that even though we're somewhat back to, I think, a pre-COVID normal as far as how events feel, I think the travel piece has affected guest count. So we had a lot of people who thought they might be at 125 or 150. And in reality, they ended up somewhere between 90 and 120. 
I think that is very accurate for what I saw as well being an average. I think pre-pandemic, we were probably closer to the 150 to 175. And I really think that for couples to be able to stretch their budget as far as they can, they have definitely decreased the, the guest count. I would agree with that. Now, going into 2024, we are on some approved catering lists at venues. So probably the dearth of venues we work at uh, is probably smaller this year. We're doing a lot of work at Castle and Key. We're doing a lot of work at the Signature Club and then a lot of just one-off venues. But at Castle and Key, for instance, we're quoting a lot of guests counts that are at their max, which is like 175. So it'll be interesting to see if that number actually comes to fruition. I ask all my clients when we talk guest counts whether the number they're wanting me to quote is a real number or if it's a guest count number. And usually if we're quoting 175, it's because they've got a guest list that's 225 to 250. So we'll see. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about budgets because I know that everyone that is listening wants to know about the cost of catering for a wedding. It tends to be close to 40 to 50% of the budget. Let's talk about a little bit about your average food quote for 2023 per person. So we tend to be on, I would say, the mid to the high side. And part of that is simply the menus our clients are choosing. They're spending 10 to $15 per person at cocktail hour. And their plate cost is starting probably at about 30. But some people were upwards of pushing 50 because they were doing eight ounce barrel cut filet. So there's a big variety. But I would say our clients, when I give a quote, I give it's all broken down. It'll give the this is cocktail hour. This is dinner. This is the bar. This is service. This is rentals because I think it's not good business to send someone a quote that doesn't include all the parts and pieces that allow us to execute that quote at the venue the client has chosen. So at the end of my proposal, it gives you a price per person. And I would say we pretty solidly are between 100 and 120 per person. That includes pretty much everything with the exception of the gratuity. Okay. And you mentioned that you worked at Castle Key and the Signature Club um, a lot. Where are some other venues that you've worked at a lot recently? Uh, we usually spend a couple of weekends at the Polo Barn at Saxony. We spend a couple of weekends at Springhouse Gardens in Nicholasville. We were at Harper Hall. We used to live at Limestone Hall. <laughs> we don't anymore. The Claire Story. Yeah. Yes. And we were at Buffalo Trace, which we will be sorry to see go. Devastated. Yeah, it's it's going to be a change. But, you know, as soon as I say that, there are new venues popping up. There's a new venue in Nicholasville we worked at for actually a Christmas party that I'm hoping we'll do a few weddings at this year. So it really varies year to year. I would say our mainstays are places like Castle and Key and the Signature Club and Spring House. Oh, we did a few things at Zorro. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we're. A little bit all around. A lot of our venues are 
with the exception of the Signature Club, are what I would consider non-traditional venues, i.e. they are not a banquet hall that has a kitchen. So we're usually in the business of quoting and then bringing in a cook's tent and bringing in equipment and all the things that allow us to produce food that your guests want to enjoy. All right. We are going to circle back to a cook's tent and all of those things here shortly because that may have just made somebody's eyeballs pop out of their head. So we, w- we want to talk about that very in depth. And then one last thing about 2023. What do you think is the most popular alcohol that you served in 2023? Bourbon. Okay. Any particular kind? So our open bar has Buffalo Trace on it. So probably that's the thing that our grooms go, ooh, you have Buffalo Trace. Um, We're very blessed because of access to bourbon we're able usually to offer buffalo trace on our bars so that's probably the thing that people look at other than that i mean we do a lot of signature drinks we include them in our bar packages and so usually we'll do a hers drink and a his drink his drink typically is a bourbon based whether it's a bourbon sweet tea or a bourbon Arnold Palmer, or it's Old Fashions, something along those lines. For the brides, we do a lot of blackberry mint lemonade. This fall, we did a kind of a spin on an apple cranberry mule. So lots of fun things. All right, then. Well, let's dive into 2024. Where are we at on food cost rising? Has it kind of settled down a little bit, or is it still kind of on the rise? It is leveled off to some degree, though, like, for instance, beef tenderloin is probably up 10 percent over where we were looking at last year. So I'm in the process of updating pricing. So typically what happens is I kind of price 2024 with 2023 pricing in mind. And as we've now into 2024, I'm reassessing those numbers. So I think alcohol is largely staying flat, but I think food, you're probably pushing 10% cost. And for instance, those people who want to know numbers for 2025, we're not even quoting that yet. Well, let me back up. We are quoting it, but we are not guaranteeing pricing until July 1st. I want to see inflation numbers seem to be steadying. And I want to know what that actually, what those numbers look like six months from now before I'll commit. So typically those proposals say that we will like lock in pricing, we'll guarantee we're pretty much giving ourselves a 10% cushion. One of the things that I often hear in a meeting with a couple is that um, they think the buffet is going to be the cheapest option or they think hors d'oeuvres are going to be the cheaper option. Is there really a price, a huge price difference between hors d'oeuvres, doing a buffet, and a plated meal? It depends on what you pick. I have had people that have done a plated meal that their plate charge because they're willing to do a one entree for everybody plated meal that their plate cost for that plated meal was less than if we'd done a double entree buffet or in that range. But their staff is more. The thing you have to understand is in our business, there are multitude of price variables in there. There's the menu cost, the staffing, the equipment, and the rentals. And depending on where those numbers are, 
gives you the total. So I can do a buffet that's got, got carved beef tenderloin on it that's more expensive than doing a plated meal that's a chicken, a potato, and a vegetable. But I can also do a plated meal that the guests get to choose, hey, we want salmon or we want short ribs. And by the time you add staff, that's more. So there, it's hard to say this is more, this is more, this is more. Probably post-pandemic, and I would say at this point, we're really far enough away that we're doing buffets again. The most economical choice in my mind is a served salad with a buffet dinner. Guests come in, they sit down, the salad is there, the bread is there, and then they go to the buffet. Typically for those weddings, we're renting China for the salad and the buffet, but we're doing cocktail hour on disposable. Cake is on disposable. The bar may be disposable. It may be glassware. Kind of depends on where your budget is. These are those extras that we kind of figure in once we have a better idea of how we're doing with your budget. And then let's talk stations and family style. Talk to me about what those are if a couple's not familiar. So station, the idea of stations is small plates. So the thought process is that people are going to make their dinner by visiting multiple stations. So a station might be tacos. So you might offer two kinds of tacos with chips and salsa. And then you might have a station. We make these lasagna cupcakes. So you get you pick from a lasagna cupcake and that has Caesar salad and bread and caprese salad. So your meal is a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. Now. The thing about that is the total cost is multiple stations. So occasionally I will get inquiries. Hi, we would like to have tacos for $10 a person. And I write back and go, well, I can do a wedding reception that's just tacos, but it's not going to be $10 a person. That is based on the idea that somebody's going to make their dinner getting a few chips and one taco. And then they're going to go over here and they're going to have a slider with fries. And then they're going to go over here and they're going to do a pasta station. So all encompassing, they're probably between 30 and 40, depending on exactly what the stations are. Some of our clients will do a carving station with a couple accompaniments. We had somebody, they did beef tenderloin carved with a mashed potato martini bar as a station. So all of those pieces are out there to kind of figure out where where's the total stations the nice thing about stations is frequently we do stations on some kind of disposable just because it's very cost prohibitive to do stations on china just because well how many plates do you need how many times people are going back sometimes we'll start people with a dinner plate and then we'll do disposable for the backup so there tends to be a little bit of money in play if you're not doing China, you have a little bit more money for the menu cost. Alternatively, family style is if you imagine sitting down at mom and dad's for a nice Sunday dinner and to the table comes a platter of ham and a platter of mashed potatoes and a platter of asparagus because it's Easter. So we do the same thing. Each table has usually two proteins, a starch and a vegetable that come to the table. And so then it gets passed around. It's family style. Now, it's the most expensive style of service because you're plating 
four different, likely four different items to each table. So that has to be served. And in addition to the food and renting the china, the plates and all of that, we also have to rent serving pieces and platters, bowls, because I don't have enough matching pieces to do. If we have 20 tables, that means I might need 40 platters and 40 bowls and 40 serving spoons and 40 sets of tongs. That adds up. Now, there is elegance to it, but I'll be honest, I would say post-pandemic, we've done very little family style and several of our clients that have initially wanted family style quoted have ended up with a served salad that same menu they were looking at family style but on a buffet because it saved them a chunk of money in staff and also in the rentals so let's talk about some of the fees that are associated with hiring a caterer for the wedding day so we have staffing we'll have gratuity and i know that some caterers charge a service fee as well um, and rentals so kind of break some of those down for me so we charge 10% on your rentals, but it actually doesn't really cost you anything because we run a lot of money through the rental companies, so they discount our rentals. So to have us do your rentals, I am compensated for the time I spend with the rental company through the 10% that they discount that I then mark up to the client. So that is a cost that you're going to incur no matter who your caterer is. And that's going to be for your maybe your linens, your china, your flatware, your dishes, your serving utensils, all of those kind of things. It also may include, I mean, I have clients who we take care of their tent. We take care of their tables, their chairs. Really, budget is the constraining piece, but we'll have clients that'll go, I'm getting married in mom and dad's backyard. They've watched Father of the Bride and they they know they can do that. It, and all it takes is money. I mean, we can bring in a tent. We can bring in that cook's tent we talked about earlier, which is essentially a temporary kitchen. So all of that stuff gets quoted. So you've got the rental piece, then staff. Staff, in our case, you're going to pay for the number of servers. You're going to pay for bartenders. If you have bartenders, you're going to pay for a dishwasher if you have china that needs to be washed because that china that we rent, there is a 50% surcharge if it comes back dirty. Now, we don't sanitize it. We send it back to the rental company. They sanitize it, but it all has to be rinsed and all the food debris has to be removed. In addition to that, At minimum, you're going to have two kitchen people. Those are the people who are going to finish your food on site, whether it's cook your asparagus or finish your chicken. If I'm selling you a boneless, skinless chicken breast, well, actually, really, if I'm selling you pretty much any kind of chicken, I'm finishing it off on site because there's nothing worse than that stringy, nasty chicken. Well, that's because chicken is not designed to sit in hot boxes. I can get it from my kitchen to when I'm going to serve it, two plus hours later, and it's still hot, but the food quality is not there. We charge a gratuity. We charge a 15% on food and beverage that gets distributed between our staff, both the service staff and the kitchen staff, the bar staff. And that is just an additional charge we add. We do not charge a service fee that's, some people's charge a fee that's kind of a like an admin fee. An admin fee. We don't charge that. That's built into the cost of the menu. 
And then for the gratuity, since you add that on, that means you do not have a tip jar out at the bar at the reception. I do not let my staff have tip jars unless the client is adamant that it be there. Occasionally, we will have a bride and groom that have worked in the service industry and they'll want a tip jar, but typically, no, we do not put a tip jar out. Okay. And then while we're still talking about rentals, um, we've talked about the cook's tent. Explain that a little bit more if someone is not familiar with that. So a cook's tent is typically a 20 by 20 tent that has sidewalls on it, has a light in it. Sometimes it needs a heater, depending on the time of the year. We essentially set up a temporary kitchen. So we'll bring in tables, we'll bring in ovens, we'll bring in warmers, we might bring in a fryer, we might bring in a stovetop. It just depends on what the menu requires. It gives us a place to work from. Occasionally, the venue a lot of times like barns and stuff, they may be a big, wide open space. Well, there's no place for us to work. And quite frankly, you don't want us and we don't want to be front and center of your guests. So a cook's tent gives us a place to work. On occasion, The if this there's enough space in the venue, we'll pipe and drape off a section that will do that. But one of the things we have to keep in mind is we use propane equipment and propane equipment cannot be run indoors. So that we have to look at as far as where that equipment is going to be. Off the top of your head, what are some of the venues that you typically have a cook's tent at? We typically have a cook's tent at Castle and Key. We typically have a cook's tent at Saxony. We typically have a cook's tent at Springhouse Gardens. Zorro needs a cook's tent Anytime it's going to be a tent out in a field. And oh, anytime. And that's when the logistics get really interesting because there's this wonderful thing called power. And people, <laughs> I laugh because I am married to an electrical engineer. The story that I tell people is that I'm very grateful for that because years ago we did a wedding at a bed and breakfast that really doesn't allow weddings, but the client had connections. And so we needed a generator. And typically generators come with these things called spider boxes. And a spider box is essentially this outlet that has cords off of it that like in your house. So each breaker is a spider box. Well, they showed up, they delivered the generator, and then the guy went, now when's the electrician coming to set everything up? And I just looked at him. It was the morning of the wedding. There was a race at Kentucky Speedway and they had sent all the spider boxes to the race. So they didn't bring us any. Now, that lovely electrical engineer husband of mine worked as an electrician's assistant when he was in college. So I called my mom and I was like, Alan needs to bring you the kids because at the time, my kids who are now 16 and almost 13 were probably... I bet my youngest was about five, so my oldest was about eight, so couldn't stay home. My husband brought the kids to them and then came and he was my electrician and he set everything up. I don't know what we would have done otherwise. So, I mean, power's this big thing because when you do a tented wedding in a field, lots of people need power. You need the power for the lights for the tent. The DJ needs power. If you have a band, they need lots and lots of power. We need power. Restroom trailers need power. And then we keep going down that rabbit hole. The next thing we need is water. 
And so, and we need water in a couple of ways. We might need water that's not drinking water, but we can use to rinse stuff. But we also need to bring in that drinking water for those water glasses, because let's be honest, those people that have been drinking for four and five hours in July in Kentucky need water. So there are all these pieces people don't think about when they start out with, well, I won't have to pay for a venue if I get married in mom and dad's backyard. And the truth of the matter is, along those same lines, is Okay, you're getting married in mom and dad's backyard. You're still going to need a restroom trailer. If you're in central Kentucky, likely if there's any land, mom and dad are on septic. So, yes, there are bathrooms in mom and dad's house. They don't want 100 plus people going in and out of their house to use the bathroom, A. But B, septic systems are not designed for the number of flushes you will have. So that's problem one. And then, no, you cannot run extension cords from the house. People think they can, but you lose amperage the farther you get away from the source of the power. And there's just not enough outside on enough separate breakers. So there are all these expenses. If you are planning to do a wedding in mom and dad's backyard, I would highly, highly recommend you hire a full service planner because they will help you with all of this. And day of coordination for a wedding like this doesn't cut it. And that not only hiring a full service planner, but someone that is experienced and has done it before. Doug Smith Designs, Candace Ford are two great examples that have done a good amount and um, know exactly what they need to do. We work with both of them several times a year. And yes, you absolutely need somebody because Candace and I did a wedding. I love Candace. We did a wedding this past year. And if both of us were not as experienced as we are, it would have been terrible because there were lots of things. There was weather. We all assume that it's not going to rain on our wedding day. And so there are all these decisions that are made and we'll have clients go, well, we want an open door outside under the stars wedding. And I smile and I go, that's great. However, What happens if Mother Nature is not kind? This year we were lucky. This fall was extremely dry. I don't know that it rained really any of the Saturdays, but it can and it frequently does. One thing I do want to circle back before we move on to is we talked about um, staffing. One of the things that I always recommend telling a couple to ask when they are booking a caterer is the staff. What are their roles? What do they do? And do they bust the tables at the end? Do they stay until the night is over if they are providing like the soft bar, which is like your soft drinks, your water and stuff? Or is that all packed up when they leave? Those are things to always ask. Um, How does that typically work for you? There are kind of two answers to that. The first answer is if we're running the bar. If we're running the bar, everyone is going to be there until the end of the night because we're running the bar, which means we're also responsible for cleaning up for the bar. And I typically don't cut staff because this is where that many hands make quick work. If I start out with six servers, maybe it only takes them a half an hour to clean up at the end of the night. Whereas if I cut them to two, we're at an hour and a half. And the other thing we have to keep in mind is that 
many times there are rules at the venue by what time you have to be out. So I always laugh when people go, well, what time are you ending? Well, we're ending at midnight. What time do you need to be out? Midnight. It's like, no, no, no. That's not how that works. If you need to be out at midnight, you need to end at 11. So we have an hour to clean up. Full service catering with a full bar. We're going to be there till the end. And what happens is I quote service on five hours which assumes an hour to an hour and a half for setup and three to three and a half hours for the event, maybe more. And then when you give me your final timeline, I'm going to do your staff based on, okay, my staff's going to be there for seven hours. No, they're going to be there for eight hours. No, they're going to be there for six and a half. So you're paying for staff to be there. If we are not doing the bar, it depends on the circumstance. Sometimes will be there until after cake service. But once cake is generally cleaned up, if the venue provides the bar, then they're typically also providing water and some things like that. For instance, Harper Hall provides the bar. We're probably not there till the very end unless we need to stay till the end to pull linens and take care of that piece. That's one of those places where we work in coordination with the wedding planner, whether it's a day of coordinator or full service to figure out, okay, who's doing this piece? If you need us to stay, we will absolutely stay. But you are going to get charged for people to be there. Let's talk a little bit about the bar and ice on the wedding day. You and I have talked about this a billion times. So a couple comes to us and says, I need a licensed bartender. (laughs) Tell me what your response is. Well, so my first response is they don't exist. And bless, this is one of those places where people are confused. and, And I have learned so much more about wedding and bars for because I've done this for a long time. I have the only catering liquor license in Jessamine County slash Nicholasville. And my ABC person who works for the police department, he calls me and asks me questions. We're actually doing his daughter's wedding this year. And it's because I've asked questions and I also don't want to get in trouble. The problem is the things that get you in trouble with alcohol are not minor. The lawyer's bills are not minor. And I like having a liquor license. So First of all, licensed bartenders, caterers and venues have liquor licenses. Bartenders have either been to bartending school and or have a star certification. And the star certification is essentially a class that take to talk about how to spot a fake ID, how to deal with intoxicated clients, how to cut them off. And the problem with, hey, I have buddies that are bartenders. They're going to come bartend at my wedding is, quite frankly, you don't want your bartenders to be your friend because they have a job to do and they need to make decisions that sometimes are unpopular. We cut people off. That's our job. I laugh because occasionally I'll ask somebody towards the end of the night, how are you getting home? And if you're mouthy to me and just like none of your business, it's like, well, You're done drinking because how you get home is of great concern to me. It's the same reason we don't pour doubles, we don't pour shots, and we don't call last call because, quite frankly, after a four or four and a half or five hour bar, which is our max, no one needs to still be drinking. Let's talk about ice. Uh, Yes. 
So when you're doing a wedding, you typically have what's called an ice drop. I do. I do. We get an ice delivery. And and usually, quite frankly, it's more ice than we'll probably need. But depending on how hot it is, how much people are drinking, we typically will get a minimum ice drop for us is 20, 20 pound bags. So that's 400 pounds of ice, which sounds like lots of ice. And it is lots of ice, except by the time you ice beer and you ice wine and you ice water glasses and you have ice for a non-alcoholic drink station and ice for mixed drinks throughout the course of the night, if it's hot, we go through a lot of ice, especially if the bar is somewhere where there's sun on on the icing bins, you go through more ice. So yes, we typically get an ice drop. And anytime somebody tells me that they want to do their own drinks, do their own bar, the ice situation is literally the first thing that comes to my mind. And for me, even having done weddings for 15 years, I can't tell you how much ice to order. I can't tell you how to get an ice drop, all of those things. So it's another reason, in my opinion, to go through a professional because who wants to actually go through the trouble of getting an ice drop on the day of their wedding? They don't. And furthermore, it's it's this is one of those places that's hard is it's better for us to throw away five or six bags of ice at the end of the night than to get halfway through your reception. And because we've pinched pennies, be like, oh, we're out of ice. Sometimes being out of ice, we're right around the corner from a gas station. Sometimes we're 20 minutes plus. And so you figure, okay, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. Several of the venues we work at have ice available. And that's really the best situation because then they bill the client for it based on how much we use. But it really is varied from that, what that venue offers. So just talking about catering in general, If a couple is looking to book a caterer for their wedding day, when do they start looking for a caterer? Pre-pandemic, I would have said 12 to 18 months out. Post-pandemic, I was turning away work for October in August and September. So I think this is a new, I think part of this is generational. I think that there are fewer people planning farther ahead. And I also think part of this is my bride and grooms keep getting older. And so I think because of that, they either go in two directions. They're the people that are older. Now that they've found their person, they're ready to get married. And so maybe they're using a three-month timeline to plan a wedding as opposed to a 15-month timeline. Truthfully, you probably end up in the same place. The big issue is, are you a little bit flexible? Because for instance, I might go to the rental company and this China might be gone, but something pretty similar is available. And if you don't care that much, then three months out, you may be fine. It really depends on the scope of the wedding. Our full service planner weddings that have full design and stuff, those I think are still running on a six to nine month plus timeline, but are not as grand of a wedding. I think we're seeing people plan them in three months. I will, I probably have less work for this spring than I've ever gone into a spring with. But at the same time, I feel pretty confident that we're going to book it. It's just that we're not going to have booked it as far out as we have in the past. 
so there's really no right or wrong time to book a caterer. Obviously, you need to have for one for your wedding. Um, I typically recommend, which obviously you can't book a caterer until you book a venue because some venues will have an in-house caterer. But if we are trying to be very cautious of our budget and stay on track, I usually like to get those catering quotes a little closer to the beginning stages of the planning rather than down the road so that we know where we're at budget-wise. And then one of the things that I want to talk about, we had a whole podcast on this last season uh, was tastings because we see tastings on all these TV shows. They're so lavish. They're so fun. Um, talk to me about how tastings really work in the real world, especially here in Lexington. Uh, they are varied is the is the biggest thing I would say. Everybody does them a little bit differently. Some people do big open tastings, maybe quarterly, where they offer a dozen entrees and a dozen past appetizers. And you get to see the high points of what they offer, but you might not get to taste everything that you're going to have at your wedding. We are a boutique experience and we're priced as such. And what that means is when you come for your tasting, you get to taste your food. Now, not everything i.e. if you're having stations and your station has brisket sliders and chicken biscuits and mac and cheese and coleslaw at one and two kinds of lasagna cupcakes and Caesar salad and caprese skewers at another and we're carving beef tenderloin with a mashed potato martini bar, I'm going to shoot you an email and go, I need you to pick six things. One of our clients just came in for their tasting and they're having a cheese and charcuterie board and then a Mediterranean station and they're having a taco station. So we picked some pieces of the Mediterranean station. We picked some pieces of the taco station. So they got to hit the high points. Um, nobody really needs to necessarily have chips and homemade salsa. Let's be honest. If you like the tacos, probably you're okay with our salsa. So... We typically, for instance, when somebody's coming for a tasting that's having either a buffet or a plated meal, if they're having past appetizers, we'll prepare their past appetizers. Sometimes it might be four past appetizers because they're trying to narrow it down to three. And then typically we'll do whatever the usually two proteins we're quoting on the menu and then the sides. But I'm not probably going to make you salad unless you feel really, really strongly you need to taste what a salad looks like, partially just because it's a lot of food. So we've talked a little bit about how you are a boutique caterer and a little on the higher end price-wise because you are more of a full experience and you basically hold the couple's hand throughout the planning process. That is what I need when it comes to anything. I just need somebody to hold my hand, especially if I haven't done something. But not everybody needs that or the budget doesn't allow for that. If a couple is on a very strict budget for their food, what do you think is the lowest that they could spend somewhere on catering now? Maybe Italian or barbecue um, or like a taco bar through a chain restaurant. What do you think is kind of the lower end budget wise now? I think you're probably looking at all in, probably starting at about $20 for food, plus some service, plus some disposable. I mean, there are, there are everything, no matter who does it, it's more than just simply the food, whether it's a line item or it's built into the cost. I think you're probably minimum you're looking at spending on catering is probably $35. 
a person, and that's essentially not cocktail hour food-ish. That's not any bars. That might be a drink station that's got tea and lemonade, but probably 35 is a good guesstimate, be it barbecue, be it a pasta station from a local restaurant or a taco station. Can we talk for a minute, though, about what I have seen as a trend and I think we need to have serious thoughts about is food trucks is one of the things that's one of the places people think they're going to save money is they're going to bring a food truck or a couple of food trucks in. And I'm a math person. I was an engineer before I was a caterer. So everything to me, I translate to math. And I asked people, I was like, okay, so if you're having 200 guests and you have three food trucks and it takes a minute to serve each guest out of the food truck, it's going to take you 70 minutes to feed your guests if it's one minute per guest. And so I think there, there are some logistic issues with how that works also. I think that the disservice brides and grooms do to themselves and they're very unhappy about is they do not spend enough time at the beginning on their budget. I think that, and yes, wedding wire and the knot, they have estimators out there, but I would really tell clients that you really need to do a hard look at your budget. And then I tell everyone, I said, decrease it by 10%. And that leaves you some overage because Everyone, everyone goes over their budget and then start start looking at where that money is going. Don't book a venue, book a photographer, book a caterer Think if you're not in line with your budget and just keep telling yourself, well, we'll make it up somewhere else. You don't. You don't make it up somewhere else. In Lexington, venues are expensive. They're more expensive than all of those calculators are going to tell you they're going to be. And so I tell clients, if your budget says that you have $5,000 to spend on a venue and you just spent eight, you need to either add $3,000 to your budget or not book that venue. So I know in um, a couple of weeks, you are headed out to Las Vegas for the food show. Tell me what a food show is. So this is a boondoggle for my staff. About every five to six years, we go to something called the Fancy Food Show, which is the National Association of the Specialty Food Trade is the fancy name for it. And it's all what's trending in food, specifically in higher end. We saw six plus years ago how cheese and charcuterie were going on trend. We saw when signature drinks and all the fun bar stuff was was coming out. It's what we see coming up. And so we'll go to Las Vegas for a couple of days and spend three days eating and looking at all the the new and different things. We'll see everything from really cool disposable and displays to interesting crackers and chips and stuff that will help us accommodate guests with dietary restrictions. It's just an opportunity to kind of see what's coming up. I know Lexington, from talking to friends, we tend to be two to three years behind the big city as far as what's coming. And so in addition to the food show, we have Bridalist Classic Bridal Show coming up on January 28th at Embassy Suites on Newtown Pike. You will be there. We will. Tell me what you're doing for your booth. So we've picked turquoise. That's about as far as we've gotten. I let 
Um, my kitchen staff is really creative. And so I have kind of taken that piece off my plate and I let them kind of go with it. So I think we're going like an aqua and turquoise. And I think we're going like peonies and hydrangeas. And that's as far as we've gotten. So we don't know what we're having food wise. Oh, heck no. We usually the menu is really about a week out. Um, And I'll be honest, because we are going to the food show a week before the show, the bridal show, I suspect we will see things at the food show that will influence what we do. Okay, so because I thought the food show was after the bridal show, so it's first. Okay. It's first. So we go to Vegas the weekend before the bridal show. And the truth of the matter is I probably, we will be back on Tuesday, Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll have to start prepping. So, I mean, but it may be that we see something on Sunday at the food show that we go, this would be perfect for the bridal show, and we run with it. I mean, personally, I think so many hot brown, or like the hot brown dip. You want hot brown dip? Oh, it's so good. And then um, the meatballs, because I know that Sadie hand rose all the meatballs. I know that they're amazing. Those are like bacon. You like the bacon wrapped chicken with the peach pepper jelly. We've done fun things. We've done the pretzel bar before where we've done the beer cheese and we hung the pretzels. Um, I don't know. Usually I try to do something fun. I try to do something that's a little different. We did Asian food one time. We've done our tacos or our nacho bar before. Something interactive. Usually we do some kind of fun mocktail. If you are listening to this after January 28th, the next bridal show will be August 18th at Clear Story. It's hit or miss on if Diane is at that bridal show. A lot of times it'll depend on if you have a wedding the night before. I'm hoping since you work at Clear Story a lot, you'll be there so I can have some snacks that day. But I always recommend going to the bridal shows because that is a great opportunity for you to try food from caterers like Diane, who you may not have the opportunity to do a tasting from before you book them. So it's always a good opportunity to try, even if it's just a few small bites um, from them. Do not eat before you go to the bridal show. I can't tell you how many people start walking the show and they'll go, oh, we shouldn't have gone to brunch. No, don't go to brunch. You will. It will be not as cohesive of a menu if you come to a bridal show, but you will be plenty well fed if you just come to a bridal show. Diane, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing what you create in 2024. Thank you so much for having me. For more information about Simply Love Studio or to schedule your wedding consultation, go to simplylovestudio.com.